welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that explores compelling themes in some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Brittany. I'm Chris. And this week we are talking about compassion in Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. Yeah! So before we get into our episode, we wanted to share a geeky fact from one of our patrons. And so we decided, instead of extending the episode and making it longer by also asking each other a personal question Mm -hmm. on the topic, any of the episodes that we do a geeky fact in, we're not going to talk about our own stories, and then we'll pick up with that in the next episode after. Sounds good. So we have a geeky fact to share from one of our amazing patrons. Her name is Justine, and she is actually an artist that creates these amazingly adorable little... uh, Yarn friends? (laughs) Yarn friends. And it's called The Biddiest Bobbles, and I have Mm. a couple of her things, and she does amazing stuff, and from a lot of the series that we do. So you should check her out. And so I have a great fact to share about her. Well, first of all, she is a Hufflepuff, Mm. and probably an airbender but maybe a waterbender and her fact is that she started playing D&D which if you don't know what that is it's Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. with a few friends while they were studying abroad in college and 6 years later even though they live in different places they still meet up online to play each week and in all of those 6 years she's only ever played as a paladin Paladin? Paladin. Paladin. Okay. I don't know what that is. What is that? (laughs) (laughs) Good question. A paladin is typically like an arbiter of justice. So a paladin will usually take an oath to a god of some sort and within that oath be charged with laying out justice in some sort. That oath to that god is where their power comes from. And so they're they're a fun pet class to play and really fun to role play because, yeah, you're always kind of dealing with this oath that you're dealing with. And there's even mechanics for if you stop kind of fulfilling your oath, how that affects your powers and your ability to access them. It's really cool. Okay, that does sound pretty cool. So, yeah, she's been that those entire six years except one time where she got to play the final boss an evil dragon goddess so yeah that's so cool (laughs) yeah which is really (laughs) impressive there's nothing that i've done once a week for six years with a group of friends that's just i don't think that's something that's ever happened yeah that's amazing i've been playing DD and another role-playing games for a while but getting a group together at all nonetheless weekly is such a feat uh major props (laughs) yeah so if you want one of your geeky facts shared well go check out our patreon and you can become a patron for one dollar a month yeah and thanks so much to justine and all of our other patrons it's uh it's great to have you as part of our, our community And because our wonderful patrons helped us unlock one of our goals for Chris writing a blog post once a month, we are happy to announce that this month's blog post is now up and it is about Comic-Con and our experience there, specifically Chris and and his experience being a panelist and presenting. Yeah, I'll talk a little bit about some of the panels that we went to this time and some of the interesting things I've seen in the past as I've gone to Comic-Con and then what it's been like 
kind of coming as a presenter for once and, mm-hmm. and going in with the podcast and talking with all the amazing people we recorded for our episode, uh, our Comic-Con special episode. Yeah, for sure. And I took a bunch of cool pictures and videos and stuff there. So yeah, you should head over. It's going to be in the description for this episode linked to the blog post. Yeah. Well, we should probably move on to our analysis of compassion in Avatar. So now we have a quote that we're going to read, and it comes from the end of the Avatar Last Airbender series. And Zuko and his uncle have been separated for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And finally, this is the moment that they come back together and Zuko faces his uncle after essentially betraying him. So Zuko goes into the tent and, and he addresses his uncle. How can you forgive me so easily? I thought you would be furious with me. I was never angry with you. I was sad because I was afraid you'd lost your way. Oh, Iroh. So wise and kind and giving and amazing. I mean, and very, like, he is very compassionate because Mm. he could have been very angry, Mm. (laughs) right? He had given so much to Zuko for so long and... Then Zuko betrayed him, <laughs> mm-hmm. and yeah, that that would definitely hurt, and that would definitely be so frustrating, but he wasn't thinking about it at all in terms of himself. It was just, yeah, this compassion for somebody who has gone through so much as such a young person, and his concern was that what he had gone through was making him lose his way for who he was and who he wanted to be and to Mm. doing what's right. And yeah, he had compassion for that and was just waiting for him to come back and believing that he would. Mm. Yeah. And I like it because it's also comes from Iroh's compassion for others, right? Like Mm -hmm. he cannot abide by the Fire Nation's activities because of the damage it does to people. And it's Zuko betraying that Uh, as he was on that path, that really is is what he is disappointed in and and afraid for. And yeah, I just appreciate so much that he he lets Zuko come to the more compassionate end on his own and completely welcomes him when he does so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, if we all only had uncles like Uncle Iroh. I know, right? Well, did you bring a character for us? I sure did. I decided to bring Katara. Gasp! She's never compassionate. Uh, I disagree. <laughs> uh, so do I. <laughs> yeah, I think Katara is a really compassionate character. And when I was thinking about this, the first person I was thinking about was Aang. And I think Aang is absolutely compassionate as well. Mm-hmm. But I also think that... a vegetarian. Yeah, right? But that's the thing is, I feel like Aang in some ways is more kind, whereas Katara is more compassionate. Compassion, I think, is is focused mainly on feeling for and wanting to mitigate the suffering of others. And I think that's something that that really speaks to Katara's character because from the very beginning when she she meets Aang throughout the series, she is so motivated by the suffering of other people. And mm-hmm. she is so willing to step out and speak up for those who who don't speak up for themselves or can't fight for themselves. Mm-hmm. And she can't let things go. She, she's not the type of person like Sokka would be to kind of 
be able to blend in and sneak around when he sees injustice, right? If it's for the greater good. She, I think, is is more is so compassionate that at times it makes her do very kind of brave but short-sighted kinds of compassionate works. I think a mm-hmm. great example is when she becomes the spirit in the You're Fire Nation. You're taking my plot point. Oh, no. I I well, then I'll, I'll let you expand on that later okay. on. But I think that that's a good example of, of where she does that. I'll talk instead about uh, her relationship with Toph, because I think that's an interesting, mm-hmm. compassionate one, too. Because, you know, they, they have a fight about her acting like a mother to Toph, right? And, and kind of Toph being resentful, but also admiring that in her. And her taking Toph in and wanting to help her in all these ways. You can also see this in, like, the Girls' Night Out or Girls' Day Out episode right where she wants <laughs> girls to, night out girls, not girls night out no. uh, i'm just imagining what that would be <laughs> i love i don't know if any of you have seen like the modern day fan art people have done of the characters sometimes they're really fun mm. I'll, I'll put a couple of those in the show notes but yeah i just i think it's it katara has a great ability to sense what is wrong for people and to act on that and Mm -hmm. i think that comes from a lot of her compassion yeah yeah i think another good example of her compassion is when they were in the earth kingdom and they found out that like the fire nation who was colonizing this area that they were in uh had banned any type of earth bending and then when one did, uh, a boy that they met did, he was sent basically to this prison ship mm-hmm. and where his father had been and everything. And yeah, she she had so much compassion that they pretended to <laughs> earthbend mm-hmm. so that they could go on that ship and try to like get them out of that situation and try to inspire the people there to fight back. And so, yeah, yeah. I think... Any person that she meets who has misfortune or oppression, like, she wants to do something and do something tangible. Yeah, absolutely. Even when she can't, like, uh, I was thinking about when Appa's taken Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and Toph is lamenting her lack of being able to see because they're in the sand and being able to protect Appa and Sokka is flipping out with Momo. She just, like goes to Aang and is with him, mm-hmm. you know? And I love, I think the episode ends on that, of her just, like, saying, like, I'm sorry, and being there for him. And I think that is... Well, yeah, I mean, he goes into his avatar state. That's right, yeah. Which is so dangerous to be around because he can't really control it at that point at all. And she just, like, walks out into this almost, like, tornado that mm-hmm. he's creating and grabs his hand and helps him like calm down and yeah yeah completely putting herself at risk yeah that's such a great moment that's mm. that is one of my favorite moments of the, the series oh so good but i guess going into my plot point mm-hmm. they're in the fire nation it's at the beginning of this third season and they come across this city on top of the water and it's really small i guess in the city is not the right word village (laughs) like very small community and they are suffering because of this um imperialist pollution yeah because of the imperialist pollution because of a factory that was yeah just basically pumping all of this pollution into the water that they live on 
And so then all of the fish that they would eat is completely dying and they're starting to get what seems like some skin diseases and Mm -hmm. things like that from these toxic effects. And she just has so much compassion that she fakes opposite sickness Mm. so that they don't have to leave yet so that she can help them because Sokka's like we have a plan we have a schedule we have this goal of invading the fire nation and nothing should come between us and reaching that goal Mm. and we don't have time for this like it's sad but we don't have time and she just wouldn't accept that. So she destroys the factory. Yeah, putting herself at risk, right? Trying to disguise herself, but a water better in the Fire Nation is obviously going to turn some heads, right? Yeah. So. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, putting the whole team avatar at risk. Absolutely. And Sokka's plan. Mm hmm. But it doesn't help mm. initially. Because even though the the people there are so excited and they're like, it is this water spirit, the painted lady, and she's come to help us. But then the Fire Nation comes and is like, okay, you all messed with this and now we're taking it out on you. And they start like destroying things. Then, I mean, it's, it's good because they are all there. And so she pretends to be the painted lady again and they basically chase those people away. Mm. And then they they spend extra time cleaning up, actually cleaning up all of the water. But I do really like how they showed that it's not just you see people suffering and you take action and then that's the end of it Mm. and their lives are better and everything's good now. Like they showed that there were ramifications for the actions that she took And even though it was motivated by compassion, it very potentially could have made all these people's lives worse just because of the retaliation from the people who were causing the oppression, you know, to begin with. Yeah, they left, but we don't know if they came back, Mm. right? And so I do like that the show really did complicate it. The compassion, I think, it shows that compassion is good and it is beautiful, And it's not like, oh, well, don't be compassionate. Don't do those things. But at the same time, compassion doesn't just fix everything. Yeah, that's so true. Well, why don't we go into our compelling questions? So what's yours? My question is, when Aang decides to take away the bending of those that he's fighting, um, which he does for Ozai, Mm -hmm. and then he does in the flashbacks in, in Korra, is that an act of compassion? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I think I think it is an act of compassion for others, for the wider world and society mm. and any of the people who are suffering under the tyranny of the people that he took the bending away from. I think it's an act of compassion in the sense that it's almost like a a forward-thinking act of compassion Mm. because if he doesn't do this then what is the other alternative Mm. either you know somebody figures out a way to kill them which obviously everybody wanted him to do in avatar or you know potentially imprisoned in a very 
almost inhumane way, which we do see later in. Mm, with the in... white lotus and the black lotus. Exactly. Yeah. Red lotus? Red lotus. Yeah. Thank you. But I mean, obviously a person losing their bending is going to suffer too, like psychologically and emotionally, like that's that would be very difficult. Mm. Yeah, these people were doing evil things and abusing that power that they had, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to cause them some amount of suffering to lose that and lose part of their identity and part of their yeah their ability so yeah it's difficult but yeah i think he put compassion for the world over compassion for this individual person not that he was completely uncompassionate either because yeah he's he spared their life mm. when other people wouldn't have done that so yeah what do you think? Yeah, I was thinking very similar things because that, that question about doing a, a t- kind of trauma to the person that you are stripping this from was really mm-hmm. interesting to me, especially as I started thinking about how Amon stripped people's bending away and yeah. how affecting that was to them, and especially mm-hmm. what we see with Korra um, when she loses her bending. And uh, yeah, I just think that that's a really an interesting way of looking at this because you know, I think that the show ends with it kind of highlighting the compassion that Aang has for people, just any living being that he refuses to kill. Mm-hmm. And yet he is still taking something. He is still in some way kind of maiming other characters. And I just think that that's a really interesting place for for him to be in because at times you have to weigh those kinds of different levels of compassion, you know, the compassion of the many versus compassion to the individual. But I, I would say at the end, it is ultimately a compassionate act, even if it is destructive in some ways. Well, it's kind of interesting because that kind of brings up the question of, is compassion reactionary? Mm. If it's reactionary, if it's reacting to somebody's suffering, and that is why you have compassion... Well, the Fire Lord didn't suffer yet, Mm. (laughs) right? And so would he have compassion afterwards, Mm. depending on how it did affect the Fire Lord? I imagine he would. Exactly. I imagine he would. So, yeah, I don't know. I I think for him, maybe a better better would be loving, right? Mm. Because I think it was a loving act because he's, he's... not allowing this person to do more evil. And I think that's not only loving for the world, but for them too. Mm. Like, he chose the the loving way to deal with this person and, and said, like, no, I'm sorry, you can't do this anymore. But, yeah, maybe that's different than compassion. Yeah, that's really interesting. Hmm. Well, what's your compelling question? So, my compelling question is... Do you think avatars have compassion when they're in the avatar state? Or, like, how does the avatar state and compassion go together? Very interesting. Yeah, that's the point. Because there's there's two elements to the avatar state. There's the trigger, which I think comes from compassion, for Mm -hmm. Aang at least. Uh, He, especially towards the beginning, tends to be triggered into the avatar state when he is feeling the suffering of others and overcome by the suffering of others and has mm-hmm. compassion for them. But while he's in the avatar state, at least 
from what we see for most of the series, he doesn't seem to have compassion or much kind of nuanced way of being intentional at all. It's kind of more, he has a focus of an enemy that he needs to defeat. Mm -hmm. And that kind of tends to be what it is. And that might just be because he's so young and he's overwhelmed by the Avatar State. Because from what I understand, the Avatar State is emerging with all of your past lives. And that must be cacophonous. When you're emerging with all these people and you are a 12-year-old boy, and these are mostly adults who have lived their lives and mastered this power, I think that there's probably an element of being so overwhelmed that it's unable to have much nuance and that they may have such different personalities that feelings like compassion don't factor in even if they all can agree on the same goal Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well that's the thing i think it's it's not only merging with like your past selves but also the spirit right right so that's something that i did kind of wonder about because any of the times like even you have flashbacks to other avatars using their avatar state or you know with Korra so I don't know if it's that Rava just doesn't really act with compassion Mm. like that's not her spirit state of being and so that part is not completely taking over but like a bit and it's more like I see what needs to be done and I'm going to do it and that's not always the most compassionate thing it can be but it, it isn't always and and so, yeah, it was it was something I was kind of thinking about because I feel like the whole start of the Avatar cycle and the Avatar state mm. was through compassion because, you know, the original first Avatar won, like, the whole reason that he ever became the Avatar was because he saw Rava and Vatu fighting and he had compassion on Vatu and was like, oh... Mm. He's saying that this other spirit has been basically trapped the him for thousands of years and he had compassion and tried to step in and do something. Obviously, he was being manipulated, but he had compassion. And then towards the end, when he actually does do that merging, that was for compassion for the world, right? Mm-hmm. Because he saw that he had put things so out of balance that... It was going to destroy so much. And so he was willing to sacrifice his life potentially for that. And luckily it didn't. But so that was just something that was interesting to me that there was so much compassion that was kind of at the the birth of the Avatar and Mm. the Avatar state. But to not really see it later as much. Yeah, it's interesting because when you brought up Rava, I did start thinking about how, you know, when she was fighting Vatu, it was extremely destructive, like the Avatar state. You know, mm-hmm. that her goal was not necessarily a compassionate one. It was a a role of maintaining the balance more than mm-hmm. anything. And even when she starts working with Avatar Wan, or I guess just Wan before he's Avatar, uh, she initially looks down on him, right? But kind of through them working together, she does start to gain more compassion, I think, for humans as a whole. But yeah, I think that's a really interesting way of looking at that because the avatar state itself is is just so kind of primal in its force that uh i think that things like compassion tend to be moved aside at times for for the that ultimate goal mhm mhm yeah it's kind of like this 
removed big picture compassion, but not individual acts sort of compassion. Mm -hmm, exactly. Well, so why don't we move on to our missed opportunities? What, what do you have? My missed opportunity is that I would have loved to see what changed in Iroh to make him a compassionate person. Mm -hmm. Because, not to say that he wasn't compassionate, or he couldn't be compassionate when he was working for the Fire Nation, but as... Eh, only to some degree, to some, right? Yeah, to some degree, yeah. he was an invading general. Imperialist yeah, general. And, exactly. Yeah. And that, even if it's well-intentioned, is still imperialist and racist and terrible. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, was it just the death of his son, or was there something else that led to him becoming who he became and becoming mm -hmm. someone who is so guided by the compassion that he has for the world and for others. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just something I, I would I would love to see. And obviously that wasn't the story of Avatar, but it's a yeah. story that I would really love to see because I feel like he is such an important figure in Zuko's life and Zuko's wrestling with the compassion that he naturally has and the pressures of state that mm -hmm. are put upon him. And the fact that Iroh may have gone through something similar it was just something I'd, I'd like to have seen more of. Yeah, and it's interesting to think about the idea of if it was really him being taken out of a position of power mm. that helped foster his compassion, you know? Because when he was on this, like, Fire Lord track, he, yeah, was fostering colonialism mm -hmm. and oppression and after he kind of broke after his son died he wasn't on that path anymore and yeah maybe that's when he learned more compassion that mirrors zuko's story a little bit too right because the f in the mm -hmm. first book the first season he is trying to do what he can to regain his honor but then second season he's not in that system and he starts to grow a lot and obviously he backslides a lot but yeah i think that that starts the reason he, he never feels comfortable in, in it back in the Fire Nation in the third season is, I think, because of how much he grew in the second. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's a interesting thing, too, I think. I think for, like, a lot of people in the world, it seems like when misfortune befalls them or people they love, then they can start to have more compassion mm -hmm. for other people in those situations, too. So... Uh, Ira losing his son could then have make him have compassion for all of these other people who are dying mm. um, and people who are losing loved ones through this war. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Good point. Well, what's your missed opportunity? So mine's actually kind of related. It's that a lot, a lot of people show Zuko compassion. Mm-hmm. But we don't see him return compassion a ton hmm. i mean partially he hasn't always been in a position to be able to do that super well mm -hmm. but obviously uncle iroh shows him a ton of compassion mm -hmm. but then you have initially katara show him compassion right mm -hmm. which is why she gets so mad later because he exploited that compassion and almost helped kill one of her loved ones mm -hmm. and then Eventually, though, all of Team Avatar shows him compassion and, and allows him to join their group. And so... Allows him to really be Zuko here. 
Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I just, I wish that we had gotten to see it a bit of him, like, kind of learn from the compassion that was shown him mm. and then show it to others as well. I think it'd be super interesting if he, like, showed it to his sister or something like that. I mean, we'll see now that we have all of the comics. Once we start going through those, maybe mm. maybe they actually do more with that with his character. I don't know. But, but um, within the yeah. show itself, for sure. Within the show itself, yeah. It, it would just be something that I would have liked to have seen at least an instance where, where you kind of got to see him. That he learned from it and then he applied it into his own actions towards others. Agreed. Because especially because I think that the, you know, the first action he takes in the timeline is challenging the general to Agni Kai because of the, his compassion for the soldiers. That's what scars him. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't challenge the general, right? It's that he stands up and says, this isn't right. And then they're saying, oh, you have dishonored this. Now you need to like participate in this thing. And mm. then he finds out, oh, it's my dad who's going to kill or scar me. Right. Yeah. 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 But that is sparked from his compassion for these soldiers, right? Mm-hmm. And he is literally scarred by that mm-hmm. and, and and loses all so much of what he has because of that. And so I think it'd be interesting to see more of him grappling with that and, and learning how to maybe regain some of that as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I guess we should go on to our takeaways. Well, what's yours? Yeah, one of the things that, that I started thinking about during this conversation was how One of the many amazing things about having a show where the characters are all people of color Mm -hmm. um, is that it subverts the white savior trope. Because many times when we're talking about compassion, people like Katara going in and wanting to save this village that can't do it for themselves, right? (laughs) Um, If she was a white character going in another land where there are probably people of color or what have you like that kind of trope happens so often in media and it's just Mm -hmm. so terrible right and i think that that by having a cast uh and four nations that are all taken from many different asian cultures and, and and having that representation makes it so that those stories don't have that same racial tinge in the same way which I think is totally. really refreshing because yeah. I think so many of those stories start to make me feel uncomfortable because they, they lean into that white savior type of mentality. And I don't see them here. And I think that your your point earlier about how Katara's work having negative consequences and us not knowing how it's going to end in the future is an important one because... You know, it's not just they can come in, save everything, and then move on, and everything will remain saved. You know, they have to, like, there's so much more going on in the world, and they are a part of that, but they aren't, uh, they aren't able to just come and uplift the people of, of these other lands. Yeah, 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 for sure. We even see that a little bit with, when they do go to the, the prison ship, right, Mm -hmm. that... She has compassion, but she doesn't have understanding for what these people are going through. And so even though she's trying to help, it may not be done in the right way. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's interesting. I, w- I wouldn't have, like, thought of it off off the bat. But if we were talking about a white character doing this, then it's definitely something I would have brought up. But it's mm. so nice to, like, not have to think about that Exactly, bit. yeah. It's, like, it's not problematic. <laughs> Yeah, and and 
that's one of the many reasons why this show is is so uniquely amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because everything else, or almost everything else, you do have to be more critical because it is part of these larger representations and, and media trends. And this standing out really makes a difference, even in yeah. this, those subtle ways. So true. And what's your takeaway? I don't know. Now all I want my takeaway to be is that Avatar is the best. <laughs> I mean, not an untrue takeaway. <laughs> it's just so good. Um, I guess my takeaway is to like, it's kind of like having more questions about compassion. Hmm. <laughs> more answers. Like if compassion, yeah, is reactionary. If compassion can only be done in like a short range type of thing like or are there different types of compassions Mm. that like compassion can be an overarching thing and there'd be subcategories for how compassion is enacted versus like yeah actions or just thoughts and concepts because I think lived compassion in concrete action looks very different than compassion that you have over things that you know are happening but they're not actually in your sphere of Mm. of community or in your racial group or you know whatever it is like yeah just it gets it can get very complicated Mm. right and not to say that we shouldn't have compassion we absolutely should but yeah it just leaves me with more questions about how compassion can look in how ideas of bigger picture or strategy or things like that can either interact with or counteract or prevent compassion. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, a question that, that kind of came to my mind too was when you're talking about like, the re- is compassion reactive? Like, mm-hmm. can you be compassionate to the possible future feelings of someone, right? Like, and is that still mm-hmm. compassion? Yeah, so yeah, it's it's an interesting concept because I feel like we... We use it often in society, but do we really have a firm understanding of what makes something compassion versus kindness or lovingness or, or what have you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it'd just be really interesting to, like, think about the power dynamics that are involved mm-hmm. in compassion because in a large part, it's you feel, like, not sorry for necessarily in a patronizing way, although, of course, it could be in a patronizing Mm -hmm. way, but for somebody else's suffering. And obviously, you could have that compassion while you are suffering as well, but oftentimes, I think it can also be that you have it when you're not suffering, but others are, so. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to to put this against a theme like pity or something Mm -hmm, like that mm -hmm. uh, and see, see where they overlap and where they don't. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that'll that'll wrap it up for our conversation about compassion and avatar. Would you mind bringing up what we'll be talking about next week? So we are going back to Star Wars. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about play. Play in Star Wars. <laughs> All right. That's, that'll be fun. Yeah. I forgot we had that theme. Yeah. Another fun one. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> it's kind of dark there for, for a bit. <laughs> At least we had the great Comic-Con episode to, oh, yeah. to kind of <laughs> be there true. in the middle of it. But yeah. All right. So playing Star Wars next week. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find us on social media by searching for Geek Between the Lines on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Pinterest. You can also go to our website, bit.ly slash geekbetweenthelines or go to our Patreon site at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines. 
We want to thank Kimberly Taylor Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. With that, we're going to wrap up this week's episode. We'll see you next week. Until then, geek out. out.